Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. On today's episode, we speak to a veteran wrestler that I like and respect very much. You may know him as one of the Baldies from ECW, one of the Carnage crew in the early days of Ring of Honor, or someone that you saw quite a bit on WWF television throughout the 90s. Tony DeVito is on the program today. Tony has returned to the ring and upcoming on uh, May 7th, he's competing in a four-way tag match for ISPW in Morristown, New Jersey against the Sons of Samoa, the Bollywood Boys, and a couple of guys we both know well, the now, Vic Delicious and Hale Collins. Collins is a protege of DeVito's. If you like what we're doing, subscribe, and if you really like it, give it a review. Tony DeVito's been everywhere. He has some fun stories to tell. So let's enjoy now hearing from Tony DeVito. So I wanted the right person to represent the Hudson Valley pro wrestling scene to be the first local guy we've had on here. And I'm so happy to be joined today by ECW original member of the Baldies, former Ring of Honor tag team champion, someone who's wrestled nearly everyone I can think of in his generation, accomplished wrestling trainer, trivia host, just an all around great guy. Yes. Tony DeVito, welcome to Under the hey, Ring. Phil, what's going on, man? Not much. Good to see you. It's been a bit. It's been a while. It's been a while, man. So I'm the first local guy to be on your show. I think so, from where we are, I'm recording this right now in Poughkeepsie. I'm in Poughkeepsie, New York. Tony's not yeah. in Poughkeepsie, New York. But not anymore now. Well, I never was. But. <laughs> you were Newburgh or New Windsor right. or uh, New Windsor. Yeah. New Windsor. So I guess first off, just what are you up to nowadays? I, you're back wrestling again, which surprised uh, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little wrestling again. Me and uh, HC Low Carnage Crew. Um, you know, doing doing some stuff with him. I did some with Angel too. We actually did a, a Baldi's Carnage Crew like triple thing. That was kind of cool. We did that back in February, and uh, this dude Eric Sims brought us around, and he uh, he brought us a couple places. We wrestled the show, and it was pretty cool. You know, something never done before. So it was pretty cool. What made you want to come back to the ring again? I don't think I've ever wanted to leave the ring. So to me, it's not really a comeback. It's just you know maybe I had a couple years off in between. <laughs> We never retire, Phil. Wrestling, <laughs> as much as we say we retire, we never retire ever. So, what's it been like getting back that back out with Loke? I know you're working a show in New Jersey. I think it's on May seventh in uh, Morristown, where yeah, it's a ISPW. fatal uh, ISPW wrestling, and it's a fatal yeah. four way with the Sons of Samoa, the Bollywood Boys, and two people that we both know very well, Vic Delicious and Hale Collins. The now I know both. <laughs> So what's that been like uh, getting back out there with Loke again? And uh, it hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> I'm tell you that right now. <laughs> My body ain't what it used to be, but uh, but I, I man, I had a lot of fun. I did a show last month, uh, last weekend. I'm sorry, I was up in Newark, New Jersey, and I did a show for um, ICW No Holds Barred. So it's like a deathmatch show. Um, I don't really do deathmatch wrestling, but I love that promoter, and uh, it's cool, man. It's wrestling, so. If you were into that type of thing, that's the type of thing you want to go see. I'll tell you right now, because it's crazy there. <laughs> Those guys are nuts. <laughs> so uh, take me all the way back to the beginning. This is actually, I think, the first time I've ever interviewed you, uh, which is which is interesting. Besides just 
talking at the bar for trivia. Exactly. Well, th for, for context, Tony hosted a, uh, it was an excellent trivia host at a, at, at a local pro wrestling night that they did on Mondays. Uh, so that's where I got to know him, but it wasn't actually in an interview format. So no. what on earth was it like training with Dr. D. David Schultz and who else was there and, and what did you learn from him? It was really awesome training with him. I mean, you know, his legend went back before I got in the business, you know, and, and uh, you know, him slapping John Stossel around, you know, so we always thought he was this crazy lunatic, but he never showed that side of him to us. You know, he was, he was really cool. Um, you know, he was, uh, he knew if we were messed, you know, we were, if we didn't do something right and he wasn't even watching, he knew, you know, he just, he knew by the sound of that ring. And I understand what he means now, but he knew by the sound of the ring that, we messed up and we needed to do it again. We're like, doc, you didn't even see it. He's like, I heard it. <laughs> so uh, he was great, man. He really was, but he could only take us so far. And that was the the, the bummer part about uh, training with him is that he could only take us so far. You know, he was pretty much blackballed in business at the time for uh, slapping John Stossel around. And uh, he really couldn't get us anything. So he kind of brought Paul Roma in with us and Paul Roma kind of took the class over and, at the time, you know, I trained with Mike Bell. I trained with Jeff Lobble. They're both from Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, this other guy, Aaron Ferguson, he was, we went to the same high school together. And uh, we met this dude, Carl Papalardo. And he hooked us up and we all started training there. And uh, so I met Mike and, and Jeff through there. Aaron, I knew already. But um, that's, that's, that's who I trained with. So uh, by the time Paul Roma came in, uh, PJ Walker, just incredible, he was training over there also. He actually, he lived probably 30 minutes from where we trained, and he went all the way to the Hearts School in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, he trained with the Hearts, which is pretty crazy. But then when he got back home, he found out about this school, and he came over and hooked up with us too. It, it, he was one of the more interesting uh, training stories too, because I think most of his training was, was with Lance Storm and, and Chris Jericho once Chris he Jericho. went up there too. Yeah. Wasn't even with the hearts. They had kind of checked out at that point. And then the, the so the, whoever the most recent students were, were the ones that kind of took right. the reins. That's, that's a, listen, that's a lot of the wrestling schools do that. I mean, I, I've done that too. When I've had schools, I let my, my former students, you know, uh, help teach and everything. Cause you know, I can't get in the ring all the time, you know, and I couldn't be there all the time. And these guys are the same way. They're older guys training now. And, you know, it's the same type of thing, but, but I always did get in the ring still. I may not have done everything, but I, I got in the ring and, you know, like Doc got in the ring. Johnny Raj used to get in the ring. But, you know, time passes by, man. <laughs> passes by. And any unique Dr. D stories that you uh, could tell that oh, would be uh, usable? So everybody knows David Schultz was a bounty hunter. You know, that's what he was doing after his wrestling career. So he was training us but still bounty hunting. And he'd tell us some stories. We didn't really get into detail about stuff. But, you know, they had these uh, – beanbag guns and they had you know pepper spray and he had all these these weird gadgets that we never saw back then so he you know he started telling us about them this guy chuck sloan striker sloan he uh he goes man that stuff don't hurt doc doc's like you're damn right it hurts so he goes next week i'll bring this stuff in and i'll shoot you and i'll pepper spray you. so the very next week <laughs> we all come in and sure enough doc brings that beanbag gun we go outside he shoots Chuck with it, Chuck right in the stomach, man. Chuck went down like a, a bag of rocks, man. And he was balled over in pain. <laughs> but man, the sport that guy was, he got back up and Doc pepper sprayed him. And dude, I don't know how long it took him to get that pepper spray out, but he was crying. <laughs> it was wow. great. Yeah, that was it, great. 
I, I figured any anytime you're in, interact with Dr. D, there's going to be something that's going to be unique and yeah. interesting. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So how did you end up in the WWF wrestling pretty much everybody under the sun? So that's where uh, Paul Roma steps in. You know, Paul was actually training to box at that time, and Paul lived in that area of Orange, Connecticut that I trained in. And uh, this woman bought the gym. It was used to be Passarella's uh, Quest Gym. And she purchased the gym and moved it to a bigger location. And Paul Roma started coming in and training boxing in there. So he used our ring, but he also used the, uh, the bag. You know, he set up speed bags and he set up this little training thing. So somehow him and Doc must have talked and Doc set it up where he'd come in and he kind of took over, you know, kind of took a little bit. But, you know, Doc stepped away and Roma took over and Roma got us all booked for TV. You know, me, myself, uh, me, myself, uh, me, PJ. Uh, Mike Bell and um, this other guy, Nick Barbary, who also came, he was friends with, uh, with PJ. So the four of us basically have booked all the time. Uh, the other two guys I mentioned earlier, uh, Libel and Ferguson, they, they got booked uh, every once in a while, but they weren't really into it as much as the rest of us were. So that, that's how we all got booked, Paul Roma. And was Roma still in WWF at the time? No, like I said, he was trying to make that run in his boxing career, which oh, wow. didn't last very long. But uh, no, he was done, but Shortly after that, he got signed to WCW, and that's when he became a full horseman. So right. Dusty brought him in. Dusty loved him. Dusty loved him. So that that was his hookup there, man. And, and uh, off he went. Like everything else, it's always about those connections and the networking yeah. that you do. It's all about that, man. That's that's really what it is about. I mean, look look how many. I mean, Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan, but look how many of his friends he got jobs for. You right. know, Bruce Peefcake, uh, 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 Nasty Boys. Um, yeah, just. All his friends, you know, he hooked them up, and that's what this business is about, I guess. Even the honky tonk man story of him just kind of seeing him in Calgary and being like, "Wait, you're the same guy I used to work with?" Yeah, him yeah right, right. This is a cool uh, story. Um, what was kind of the feedback towards you in WWF? Was there any, any ever any talk with agents or anyone else about finding you and Bell and some of the other guys a regular role? You know, what 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 was that like? You know, in terms of hearing from them of what they liked about what you were doing and whatever. Um, the funny thing is most of the agents really didn't say anything except for, you know, oh yeah, good job. That was really what they did. Tony Correa was, was awesome. Tony, um, Tony kind of really did take us, you know, and help us out a lot, which was really cool. He, he, uh, you know, I hooked me up with a lot of things for my ring. I had a wrestling ring back then and he hooked me up with a lot of things and that was cool. And, uh, but he would give us advice all the time. You know, we were like his guys. So that was, that was pretty cool. But like, like Scott Hall, he was a guy, he actually really took us under his wing. You know, he took all of us and. He liked us. He liked all four of us, and he helped us out, told us things, gave us advice. He was he was awesome, you know. He was awesome, but but Tony Greer was that agent that really did that for us. He, he was he was awesome too. Great guy. Years ago, when I uh, had some interaction with uh, Nelson Frazier, who was Mabel and uh, and Viscera and, and other things over the years, he had mentioned to me that. You know, uh, it was it was it was when Mike Bell passed away that I spoke to him. And yeah. He said, "Yeah, you know, back when uh, we used to do TV, he's like Scott Hall would specifically ask for Bell or Devito yeah. because he knew <laughs> that they knew how to take the razor's edge, and he knew that they knew they knew how to take the fallaway slam." Yeah. So you know, yeah. you, make, you make it look good, and you're going to get requested. Yeah, there was definitely guys that would request to work with us, or if they got paired with us, they they loved it too. You know, whether we were in a tag team or we were singles out there by ourselves. Um, they, they enjoyed working with us for, for what we've known. We never heard anything bad. So that, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. What, what was your favorite match that you were in, in your, in, in your WWF? Uh, I would say I had a great match with, uh, I don't know if it's great, but 
uh, I, me and Raven did a did a house show. He was Johnny Polo, and I didn't Raven back then. So I wrestled Johnny Polo in a, in a house show one night, and, and that was awesome, man. And I learned so much in that match alone because, you know, I got to work at a pace that he controlled, and he and he taught me so much just in that you know 10, 12 minutes where you're out there. Um, that's probably one of my favorite ones. And then I also worked with uh, Louis Spicoli on a house show up in Albany, and that was really awesome too. You know, because we were all pretty young guys uh, getting to work with each other. So that was that was pretty cool. Well, Raven's not young. He's old. <laughs> but <laughs> me and uh, me and Louie were young. <laughs> what was Vince McMahon like? Any interaction with him at all? Uh, you you know, during those years, it was mostly like, you know, you just, hey, Vince, and you shook his hand. But uh, when I came back and I did the uh, WWECW stuff, I did the Preacher and I did the uh, Macho Libre thing. Vince was right out there with us. So it was me, Vince, and Salmon throwing ideas back and forth to each other. So it was so weird that I was in that dynamic with those guys. It was with Vince, at least. You know, it was really cool. He was listening to my ideas and, you know, whatever I have to say. And that was pretty cool. So my dealings, awesome. <laughs> awesome. It seems like people sometimes don't think about that kind of stuff with Vince McMahon, that he's going to be like that detail guy. But when you think about it, it's, he's been around wrestling for like 60 something years. He's going to have. He's probably going to have some good feedback for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's the brains behind that organization, without a doubt. So, so he's been gone for a while, and I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I know so many people who spoke so highly of him. What can you tell me about your tag team partner, Mad Dog Mike Bell? Oh, so you never met Mike before? No, I did not. Wow. Uh, Mike was one of a kind, man. <laughs> He'd give you the shirt off his back. Uh, that's the type of guy he was in that instance. And he drove me crazy in other instances too. And I think that's why it worked so well. You know, we'd be traveling on the road together and getting that dude up out of bed to, to get to the next town or go to the gym or to whatever it may have been. <laughs> you couldn't get him out of bed. But, uh, but man, what a great tag team partner he was. You know, we both, we're, we're both young. We're both full of ideas and full of, you know, piss and vinegar to go out there and, you know, show the world what we could do. So uh, for me, Mike was awesome. You know, he was awesome. So how does it come about that you end up in ECW after after the run, uh, doing all the enhancement stuff with WWF? Yeah, so ECW, I mean, that was a place that was getting pretty hot. Uh, of course, we all knew about it. You know, I didn't know how about, I, I didn't know how about getting there. So um, I went earlier, they came to Middletown, one time, I forget what year it was. They came to Middletown to the fairgrounds and I went to the show and I spoke to Paul cause I had met Tommy dreamer in the past and I spoke to Paul and you know, nothing really became of that. And, uh, a couple years later, uh, just incredible PJ, he went there. So I started coming around the shows and at that time I was pretty heavy. I was probably 285 at that point. And, um, you know, I, I got with like PJ and, and dreamer and, guys would give me advice and say, Hey, you know what you think you got to do? You know, your work's pretty good, but you gotta, you gotta get your body better. So I said, okay. And I proceeded to lose 80 pounds in three months and they all saw it before their eyes. And I think that's what it took right there. I, I, they knew I had the desire to be there. I wanted to do this and, you know, just doing what I did and they all saw it. I, I think I earned respect of that. And Paul, you know, Paul saw it and that was it. That's what it took. And where did the Baldy's concept come from and where did that kind of... Uh... I mean, the part I know is, what, the, of course, what they said to me, um, I started doing a, I started doing an American History X angle 
uh, a gimmick like that, if you remember what that is. And it was weird because, you know, Paul Heyman being who Paul is and, you know, his mother was in, in a, uh, in a camp and all that. So anyway, to get away from that, that that's what they wanted me to be at first. So I think somebody told them, Hey, that's not a good idea. Let's do something else. But I think from that character came the Baldies, at least from what I was told. Uh, but I think other people like Angel, Angel had a different way. And then I think he was probably told the same thing. Hey, what you're doing is going to, we're going to make the Baldies out of this. And they did that with me and they probably did it with the other guys. And that's how they kind of paired us all into each other. So, but as far as I know, Paul Heyman came up with that. He wanted the Baldies. That's what he wanted. And what was, uh, you know, yesterday what Vince McMahon was like, but you, you've interacted with everybody. So what was Paul Heyman like to work with? Paul is an evil genius. Like everyone says, I mean, I mean, listen, uh, Paul let the guys, he knew, you know, he knew what he was doing as far as he let the guys control what they control. You know, the guys came up with their own finishes and their matches and a lot of their angles. And Paul did too. But, you know, it was everybody together that that made that. Those guys like like Bubba Ray Dudley and Tommy Dreamer and Taz and Sandman and Raven. And, you know, these guys all had a lot to do with that product when it became huge, you know. And they had a lot of say also. So it wasn't like it was just Paul. It was a group of everybody. You know, a group of all these guys that all mix their brains together. And this is what you got. Out of it. What was the WWF locker room like as compared to the ECW locker room that you were in? It's just, you always <laughs> hear the ECW. It sounds like the Wild West. I have absolutely no idea what the mid-90s WWF uh, yeah. atmosphere would it, have been like. I mean, of course, the, the first time I ever went into a WWE locker room, WWF at the time, man, I was like, it's like a, it's like a circus. I mean, everybody's a character, everybody, you know, you know, you had all these guys dressed up in costumes and this and that. So it's weird seeing that walking around backstage at first, you know, so you had to kind of, you know, get used to that. You know, you kind of, kind of get, get over that first initial shock of it. But besides that, I mean, everybody was pretty cool. Um, I, I never had any issues there with any of the guys. Like everybody was really cool to all of us. Um, it was clicky though, where ECW was was a family, where WWE was was more clicky at the time. And I'm not just saying because of the click; it just seemed like there were just clicks everywhere. Everybody had their own group, and, and that's just the way it was. Where ECW was more family oriented. Not to say we didn't have our own travel clicks and things like that. Of course we did, but we all wanted everybody to do well, and I don't think they always wanted that there. Everybody was kind of focused on the same goal of, of getting ECW to a certain Yeah, point. yeah. I mean, I think at some point it turns to, you know, certain guys tried the politics. Certain guys, you know, worked themselves into what they, they got, you know, in, in a sense. What was your uh, favorite match uh, that you had in ECW? Uh, probably my first TV match uh, was against Jerry Lynn. So I didn't know it was going to be on TV. And, you know, Paul had told me later on about it, but. That match itself was awesome because I, I it got on TV, but Paul liked it so much, and it was a really good match. And I, you could find it on there somewhere. I forget what what, what it's on. I think it's Hardcore TV on on the Peacock Network. But uh, that was a fun match, man. That was a good match too. Where was that? And was that pre Baldies too? Oh, pre Baldies, yeah. That was when. So I was just doing uh just doing me, and I was coming out with an all out war shirt on, which was like a local Hudson Valley band. <laughs> and I started wearing their shirts and I started, uh, I used their music there. And, you know, of course, because we all kind of knew people in that area, they had heard I was doing that and they sent me a bunch of shirts and everything it was pretty cool. I never met the guys. So. Actually, I think I met one of them years and years later. He told me who he was. So that's pretty cool. 
Very cool. So ECW ends, and then you end up catching on in Ring of Honor, and then like just going through your career, it's kind of crazy to see all the different stages that it had. Yeah. Uh, did you expect that at the time, and what was that time in your career like? You were there for like a year or two? No, I was probably there for like three years. Even longer, wow. Yeah, I don't remember. I forget. I, I think I was there the second or third show, and man, I don't know when we left. Um, 06? I, I really don't know. My time frame's really bad, but no, it was totally unexpected because I wasn't, you know, I knew, of course, I knew who was running Ring of Honor at the time, but I really didn't, I don't think I cared anymore as far as, you know, I put what I had at the ECW and when ECW folded, it kind of, you know, I had to go back to work and I, I couldn't just say, oh, wrestling's going to do it. You know, I always I had a family from day one of wrestling. From day one, I had a, a child and a wife and you know, they're still with me to this day. I have two, two, two kids now, but, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I had to do what I had to do and I, I couldn't let wrestling just be that thing. So I always had to have another job after ECW folded. So I never put all my eggs in that basket ever again. And I didn't expect anything at Ring Honor. And then it kind of just happened. So, but for what, for what it was at the time we did it, it was fine. You know, once they expanded and they got bigger, uh, that's when I was done again. I, and I, and I, you know, we talked to the to the bookers at that point, and I told them, I said, I, I can't be doing uh, any of this big stuff anymore. They were going every weekend. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I had a regular job. I couldn't go away every weekend, come back to work, you know, spend time with the family. It was tough. It's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, wrestling was never really the whole, the, the only thing you focused on. So you, you, so you were part-time pretty much your whole career and then other job in the meantime for almost yeah, all of Yeah, yeah, where... Yeah, except for ECW. ECW, I was on the road full time. But yeah, besides that, I was always, <clears throat> I was wrestling on weekends and, and I was working a regular job during the week. You, you know, I could have left my family and went down south and made a living, but I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? So I had to stay local. I had to do what I could do around our area. You know, that's why I worked a lot of Jersey and New England and uh, just the local Hudson Valley. You know, it wasn't much in Hudson Valley region at that point, of course. But, you know, I, I traveled to the, you know, the Northeast is what I basically stayed into. It's a heck of a commitment to stick with that. I mean, you're I, what going on almost 30 years in the business now yeah. <laughs> and, you know, 31, really 31 <laughs> years and, yeah. and, and so much of it done while you're doing other things. Uh, yeah. You know, w when you kind of look back on it, what, what does wrestling sort of mean to you is like kind of what it's represented in your life because it's always kind of been there. It's always been there, really. So, I mean, since I was 19 years old, you know, uh, I love it. I love professional wrestling. I, I, I love it so much, you know, and I love what it did for me and where it's gotten me. And it, it molded me to who I am at this point now, too. Um, but I love, it, you know, I, re I really do. I, I fell in love with it as a 12 year old and I've never stopped loving it. So it means everything to me. So who, who's Tony DeVito a fan of now? Wrestling wise, yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, I mean, you got to go with like a guy like CM Punk still because he is going at a pretty high level still. And uh, um, my boy Bobby Fish, he's over there in AEW also, and he's doing real well right now. So I, I got to give a shout out to him. That's actually somebody I was going to bring up, and so a lot of people probably don't realize this, but you were his original wrestling trainer. I think you and Jeff Leibolt had started a school. And just what was Bobby Fish like from the start? And what was, uh, and how has he grown? So, uh, well, Bobby actually was training before that. So Leibolt was helping 
some guys up in Albany do some training stuff. And that's where Fish is from. He was going to that school at first, but it really was going nowhere for him. So Libel said to him, hey, come down to DeVito's. He's got a school in Newburgh. And that's like an hour and a half commute for him. But I'll tell you what, man, he started coming and he came. I want to say he came at least twice a week, maybe sometimes three if we had shows going on, too. But uh, he'd come down twice a week. He's always late. <laughs> it's not anymore. <laughs> I just traveled with him. He wasn't late anymore. But he was always late then. But he worked at the bar business, man. So back in that day, I'm sure he was working late nights, maybe tipping back a few. And then he came, you know, an hour late to training the next day. But at least he came. I, I was laughing earlier, uh, you know, when he first came to AEW, they were kind of running down his history. And Excalibur was saying, you know, he's he's trained with Harley Race. He's trained yeah. with this one. I just jumped in and I said, hey, you know what? He was trained by Tony DeVito, man. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. It's it's all good. Listen, yeah. they're going to give these high-profile guys their, their due, and I guess that's the way they want it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, after I was done with him, yeah, he went to Harley Race's camps, and he that's how he got booked in Japan, you know. That's what guys did back then. So to, to, did Harley really train him? I don't know. <laughs> what, what What is wrestling training? Because what I find with, with a lot of people is yeah, you, know, you have different you mentors know, at different times of your career. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's always training. You know, like you're always training. You're always learning. So, yeah, I mean, did he train him per se? No. But did he pass on knowledge to him? Yeah, 100%. I'm sure he passed on a lot of knowledge to him. And that, and that is training also because you are always learning. We should always be learning. 31 years in the business, I, I'm still learning. And then, yeah, the reason I even brought it up on uh, on social media when it happened, because I actually went up to Fish at a show. Yeah. It was an NEW show up in uh, Troy, and he was working the opener. And I said, I, I didn't have any time. He, was just, he looked like he was walking somewhere. I just went, to, hey, you know, I know Tony DeVito. I just wanted to say hi. And he's like, I, I, I think he trained you. And he, I think he was one of your trainers is the way, right. I, the way I, you know, you know, worded it. And he was like, no, Tony DeVito is my trainer. And then yeah. he was like, I love Tony. He's great. <laughs> so I was like, that's what I'm going with from now on. Right. So, so that's what you're going with from now on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah, other people played a part. It's like it's like with me, you know, David Schultz trained me, but Paul Roma stepped in too. So Paul actually helped in my training also. You know, he's not my original trainer, but he's a coach. And that's the way we could say that. Maybe he's a coach. Yeah. I think those footnotes work well for a lot of wrestlers, though, because oh, yeah. you, you become a product, it seems like, of what – of where you are it, it works for the guys that want it to that want it to work the guys that want to listen the guys that want to pay attention to it and want to listen to the guys give them information and, and try to help them out so. it's, it seemed like you had that opportunity too to kind of give some of that uh you know information that you had at house of hardcore a little bit too when that was still running up here yeah uh house of hardcore uh i got to come in and, and help work with the guys, you know, once again, like that wasn't me training those guys, but I came in and tried to give them some knowledge, which was, uh, which was awesome to be able to do that. You know, um, as we know, the trainers there, you know, Tom Dreamer ran the school and then, uh, Vic and Hale were the trainers there. So from the now they, they, they trained at that school and they, uh, they just did dreamers podcast and, uh, he actually gave them all the credit. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I definitely heard that too. So yeah, I mean, you're yeah. gonna be working a match now against Vic and Hale for uh, yeah. I don't know how much that's ever happened, but uh, what what does that mean to you to be able to get now? Just for the listeners out there who might not know everybody, Hale Collins was actually uh, trained initially by you know, Johnny, Johnny Rods, Rods yeah. and then transferred over to you, where which was yeah. way closer to where he lives. Yeah, way closer, yeah. yeah. So, well, what's he, it mean to get in there with these guys? It's awesome because um, just for for uh, Hale alone, you know. Like I said, like you just said, actually doing what he did, he trained with Johnny Rods and, you know, he lived in Poughkeepsie. So he was traveling to Brooklyn to go train, you know, out of school in Newburgh and 
He trained with Johnny for quite a while, though. I think, you know, over a year or so, maybe even longer, until he found out about me. And then he came, you know, and, and I coached him. See, like I said before, it's a good good term. I coached him afterwards. You know, Johnny trained him and I coached him. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to come, you know, full circle and get back in the ring in front of the fans and do this with, with these guys. Because uh, now I've known him and uh, Vic for, for a long time now. And uh, it's it's pretty cool, you know. It's pretty cool to be able to get in there with your friends and and uh, do something like this. So, when you think of the Hudson Valley, New York wrestling history, who pops in your head, and who are some of the guys that the fans are probably not thinking about? I'm the only one, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it's crazy because I, you know, not that I was I wasn't always the only one because Mike Bell was also there basically too. But uh, for whatever reason, I, you know. I think I am the one looked at being from that area, but man, there's so many people from there now, you know, uh, I can't even go through the amount of guys. I can't. There's guys that live that come from Newburgh that are wrestling. I'm like, well, who the heck are you people? <laughs> you know, I learned about these guys, but there's so many now. So, I mean, I, I can't even tell you all the guys that have come out of that area. Now there's a lot. Yeah. Most recent Newburgh one I could think of is Jordan Oliver. Who's doing some Jordan stuff Oliver, for yeah. game. I yelled, now. The one I yelled at who the hell trained you <laughs> And and he was telling me that, you know, when he first started watching wrestling, it was going to the NFA and yeah. helping set up at the chairs and everything at the Northeast Wrestling Show at NFA. Right. So, oh, really? Yeah. So he was one of the kids. I think he was on the JV wrestling team at NFA and then was uh, helping huh. set up. And I think you were involved with the wrestling team, too. Right. I was involved. I, I was involved, too. Yeah. I helped with, like, the little kids class, like the young kids. Yeah. So he might have just been I, quiet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the one that got those shows back in NFA. So. Right. <laughs> So that that was where he started when I when I spoke to him. He was talking about that. Really? So I don't see. I don't even know that. He never even told me that. I only met. I think I met that kid once. So. I met him. Uh, I met him once also when he was working at MLW. I, I did a very short interview okay. with him. But I talked to yeah. him on the phone once too. But huh. nice guy, and he's very talented. I saw the. I yeah. don't know if you saw the slingshot off the rope into a sit out power bomb that he did over the weekend. But no, he, but I did see his match from uh, was it the. The, the one from the Hammerstein Ballroom, I think I saw. Oh, from GCW's? I didn't yeah, see I think it was him. I forget who he worked with. But I, I did know. see that match. That's the most recent match I saw of him. He's a talented guy. Absolutely. Well, he's way bigger now, man. He used to, he was this little tiny, little skinny kid when I first met him. Yeah. I told him, man, I'd love to work with you. <laughs> uh, it, it, he obviously grew up watching you. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whether you want to hear that or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you mentioned all the guys in the Hudson Valley. Uh, we're going to move to something now we're going to call the three count. We've been calling it the three count. It's going to be three uh, quick questions. Hopefully they're uh, fun and interesting for you, and they'll be your quick uh, responses. I, I craft these specifically for the people, so hopefully it's uh, it's it's fun for you. So the first five matches when you search Tony DeVito versus on YouTube that come up are Marty Gennetti, Razor Ramon, the Sandman versus you as a preacher, Adam Bomb and the Fake Undertaker. Huh. If, if you could pick five DeVito matches to beat that search engine, which which matches would you put in there? So I'd definitely put the Jerry Lynn match. Mm -hmm. I'd put uh, me and Angel against Balls Mahoney and Masato Tanaka. Uh, another one from ECW, RVD and Kid Cash against the Baldies. How many is that? That's three. <laughs> three. Um, I would say my house show match with scotty flamingo but that's nowhere to be found <laughs> that would be another one uh and five i would love to see what i did in times square because i did that whole thing for wrestlemania 10 in times square and 
I think I worked with Bulldog and Lex Luger. And then out came Bob Backlund, put me in the chicken wing. So oh that God. right in the middle of Times Square. That's, I, and, it ex- that. and you know it exists somewhere within the WWE library. It does because uh, they got footage of it. Because they, they showed footage of the event, but they never showed the whole thing. That'd be so that's kind of cool, too. Like, I thought about that one day. I was like, man, I'm one of only, I don't know how many wrestlers in the world to have wrestled in the middle of Times Square. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I, I never good. thought of that before. <laughs> So you were one of the more prominent enhancement wrestlers in the in the 90s in the WWE. Who was on your Mount Rushmore of enhancement wrestlers? Oh, Barry Horowitz. Uh, Mario Mancini. Not just because he was there. When, so I'm watching when I'm a kid, you know. Paul Roma, of course, too, was on it back then. So I'd say uh, those three. So I got one more. Well, I'll put myself on there. How about that? You can do that. There's can no I rules here. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and this next one is one I've been enjoying asking people lately. What What is the weirdest place you've ever wrestled? I, I think I think Times Square. Now that I even said it, I mean that was. It's not a, a strange place, right? But that's a strange place to wrestle. Who's ever done it? That's a That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Did you have any others like from your independent days where you're just wrestling someone? You were like, why am I here right now? I mean, I've wrestled in parking lots and stuff like that, but so have many, many other people. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's not, you know. But Times Square is unique. So yeah, totally unique. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for coming on under the ring pro wrestling conversations today. I really enjoyed uh, catching yeah, up. Yeah, thank you, Phil. And this- tell everybody get out there uh, May seventh for ISPW. Man, get on there, and that's going to be an awesome event. They got like an eighties wrestling con beforehand, and then the show later on that night. It's going to be awesome. What's what's kind of your take on that match? I know you mentioned the you know being cool to wrestle with Vic and Hale before, but that, that's such an interesting match. Um, Listen, I think it's going to be fun. I'd rather wrestle a regular tag match, just a straight-up tag match, because now that I am getting older getting up in the, and I don't do a lot of matches anymore, I'd rather do straight-up tag matches like that. But it's cool because it, it is for, like, the, it's for the Demolition Cup. Demolition is going to be there. They're giving away their – they're going to give the winner their cup. So that's what it's all about. So that's why we're doing this four-way. Um, but if I had it my way, I would sooner I'd restart a tag. <laughs> did you ever wrestle Demolition either, remember? So, yeah, we we did a show in Newburgh back in 2012, I want to say, at the ice rink in Newburgh. It's the ice skating rink. And so it started out us wrestling against Demolition with myself and Ralph Mosca, Roughhouse Ralph. He, he lives down here in Florida now, too. But um, it was supposed to be us against them. And then we did something else. We included another guy and then. It was us in demolition against this guy. We just beat the crap out of this guy and pinned him. But it was so. Axe and Smash. It was like the classic. It was Axe and Smash, yeah. But you never yeah. wrestled Smash even back in the when you guys would no, have been No, ne- never, never back then, no. So now he would have been Repo Man around the same No, time. not even his Repo or nothing, no. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I wrestled right. a lot of guys, but yeah, I never wrestled <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Special thanks to Tony DeVito for joining us today. Come back next week where our guest from All Elite Wrestling will be the great Thunder Rosa. That ought to be a fun one. Have a great week, everyone.